welcome to Stokes County Boys, a podcast in which two friends discuss a place and things that made them who they are and who they are not. As always, you're joined by me, Philip, and my good friend, Patrick. Patrick, what's happening? Hey, same old, same old, buddy. How are you? Doing all right. Today, just like last week, we're discussing the prequels of the Star Wars, the George Lucas films of the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Last time we did episode one, The Phantom Menace. So today, we've got to follow the order. We're going to Star Wars episode two, The Attack of the Clones. So just like last week, we're just going to get right into it. We're just talking about the movie. Philip, let me let me start you off with something before we get into the movies here. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. I went back. And first off, uh, I, I can't believe that we've been doing this as long as we have. But our first episode was about... Uh, uh, Star Wars, you know, um, and we we started with the end of the, of we the did. Skywalker. Song. We did, and so then you know, of course, we had to go back to the very beginning with the prequels here. Um, <laughs> I, I went back and I re-listened because of one thing. I wanted to hear what your and my original list oh, was yeah. for um, you know the order of movies and stuff. And uh, my next to last on the list uh, of from top to bottom favorite was this movie we're going to discuss today, Attack of the Clones. Um, and my favorite movie of the series was Revenge of the Sith, episode three. Um, I want to amend my list, and I'm not going to go through every single movie, but I want to amend my list. I want to move Attack of the Clones to the bottom. <laughs> okay. I want to keep, I want to keep, uh, Revenge of the Sith at the top, and we're going to go over all this as the why. And you know, I'm so. I'm what was at the bottom? What was at the bottom before Last Jedi? Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Last Jedi was. Um, but I, I wanted to just throw that out uh, first thing, and also want to make another reference here, Philip. Um, do you remember uh, back in? Oh God, when was it? Was 2008? Do you remember in 2008 when uh, Carolina basketball, you know, Final Four, when Kansas beat the living crap out of North Carolina? Uh. Do you yeah, remember that? Yeah, I we do. watched that together actually in, in mm-hmm. my living room. Uh, do you remember what happened the next year? What happened next year with that? Yeah, it was UNC went all the way, destroying Michigan State in the final game. Yep. So, next question: 2018, 2018 Virginia basketball loses against UMBC in the first round. They were the number one overall seed, Philip, and this was the first number one seed to fall <laughs> to a 16 seed. I mean, this was, like, mind-blowing that this happened. What happened the following year, 2019? The redemption. Redemption of the Cavaliers. Yes, they won it all. Philip, I feel like this is directly correlated to Episode 2 and Episode 3 for me. I feel like they got... You know, we had a, a Kansas UNC moment. We had a Virginia shamefully losing, and then they Revenge of the Sith comes in. Like I'm telling you, man, I, this was like what I was thinking of as I was watching this, uh, this Attack of the Clones, um, to prepare for this. I really, I haven't watched the full movie epi- of uh, Revenge of the Sith in a good while. It's been a good chunk of time. And I'm really, I'm actually really looking forward to watching it doing this the way we've been like watching Phantom Menace. I kind of had a new appreciation for it after, you know, you hear a lot of a flack for it. We're going to get into it on the other end of this break, but you, you've actually liked this movie less than you did the previous times you watch it. It just dropped, you know, now you like it less than The Last Jedi. That is uh, correct. And we'll get to what I think about it 
and we'll get more into what you think about it on the other end of this break. back patrick we made it back it's time to get into it let's do it all right so it was interesting to me because when you you were telling me i think we were we were kind of communicating back and forth before this record you were like <laughs> saying that you like this movie less you hated this movie even more whereas i was like you know what i i had a good time watching this i mean there's certain scenes as i said there's still certain parts of this movie that i absolutely do not like but this movie, at the same time, has some really key moments in Star Wars. I'd say so. It's it's a weird, it's a weird, really uneven movie. I mean, I think we talked about in the first one, in Episode One, the Phantom Menace is a little uneven. It's a little all over, all over the place. But this one, even more so. It is, Philip, and I, I do want to say, you know, I want to preface our discussion with I. I still would, you know, watch this movie if I'm doing a marathon. I'm not going to skip it. I'm, you know, yeah, it's not yeah. like so bad that it's unwatchable. It's just the the issues that I had with it put it at the bottom of the list. Now that's not saying that there's not some great moments. Like for it, it opens up with an amazing scene. That assassination attempt yeah, is a great yeah. scene. Uh, you know, with, you know what too is I put. It's funny you mentioned that. I put opening shot. It looks really cool and it looks different. After the crawl, that opening shot and panning to that establishing shot of the planet, I thought it felt different than most Star Wars movies, the way it kind of panned, the way it looked. And I thought it looked really cool. But yeah, go ahead. You know, most of the starting uh, scenes after the the words go through the scroll that we've all come to know and love, like, I mean, the movies all start in space. I didn't particularly notice anything that stood out to me as, as better or worse or whatever. Um, you know, I, I thought it was just your standard kind of, here we are in outer space and now let's see what happens. Yeah, but that, that um, immediately though, it kind of kicks into it. Usually, this one's a little different because usually like with the, the Star Wars movies, it's, you're kind of in the middle, it kind of throws you into the middle of some kind of like caper or action scene or some kind of little battle that's going on. And this one's just like, <laughs> you know, there's that immediate kind of like assassination attempt on Padme, which end up, it kills one of her maidens or whatever yeah, you call her. Of course it's a Her body. Yeah, I one mean, of her body doubles. But then it just goes into the political intrigue. So it is kind of different in that way. You know, one thing, another positive of, of this movie, though, because, you know, I, I, I do respect and appreciate some of the aspects of it. And, and seeing all the different Jedi... Not just, you know, the ones that we've come to know and love, but like some of the minor characters in the series, you know, Kiati Mundi, Beresafi, uh, Kit Fisto, you know, like there's some really cool uh, Jedi that don't get a whole lot of screen time in the movies, but I, I thought it was really kind of fan service that they that they were there and all that. And I really did appreciate that. Um, I, I think the best thing from this movie, again, speaking in just general terms, the Palpatine's character... Oh, yeah. It's just unreal. I mean, it's, it's just so well done across the board. Let's go back a little bit before we get into the movie too much, because I want to ask you, 
Do you remember like seeing this movie for the first time or anything like that? Because I mean, we saw it in theaters when it came out in 2002. Do you remember any of that? Yeah, I saw it with you for the second time in the theater. The first time I went with my sweet mates because we had to go a second time. There was a tornado uh, in, in South Durham and I was in college at the time. So yeah, it, they, the the movie actually like we lost power after uh, the scene where Anakin breaks through the window, or uh, you know they they they're going after the assassin. Um, after oh, the so it was scene. in like the first like fifteen minutes of the movie. So all the first fifteen minutes had to go back the next day to rewatch the rest. So that's like ah. the first image that I have <laughs> of this movie, and like when I saw it, it was a little bit of a disappointment because I didn't get to see it when I went to see it. You know, I had to wait a day. Okay. So it's interesting because like rewatching this may have been in terms of watching it from beginning to end may have only been the third or fourth time I've watched this as opposed to the other star Wars movies. You know, I've, I've seen them all like several times. I watched it with you at that theater. I couldn't stand it. I think some of it was influenced by the other like criticisms it was getting through the media and through other people and stuff. I was just like, I can't take this. There's no, this isn't, this is terrible. Probably rewatched it when I was kind of trying to watch all of them again. And then I've probably, you know, I've watched little bits of it, little chunks of it. I've watched like YouTube people that have edited the movies and broken them down. I've watched those plenty of times, like seeing different little fan edits of the prequels. But this is really maybe only the, at most, maybe the fourth time I've seen it from like beginning to end. So going back to kind of the opening scene where we were talking about Palpatine, there's a few things that I noticed that were kind of nice little details. You start to see him aging a little bit more. He's starting to look a little bit more withered and, and wrinkled and haggard. But the other thing is, is I was like, you know, pulling back a little bit, it's kind of wild to see that scene where you have Yoda, Mace Windu, Kit Fisto, and a couple other Jedis, you see these Jedis meeting with who's like the ultimate evil and they're all in the same room just kind of chit-chatting. He's manipulating them. You know, like mm -hmm. Mace Windu's like, we're keepers of the peace. We're not soldiers. Don't get us to do this. And he's like, oh, well, we'll figure it out. You know, we got to help. We, we have these separatists. We have to handle this thing. And you just realize like throughout the course of the movie that he's orchestrating all these little things. He's playing both sides against each other for his ultimate power grab. And it's like you said, it's the most compelling thing about these prequels really is like the, it was sold as this is the birth of Darth Vader. But it it's really the story of Palpatine once mm -hmm. again. And I think rightfully so. There's always a bigger fish as Qui-Gon Jinn taught us, you know. I think we'll come at it at this. Maybe we'll have to go through the uh, the movie as like what are things that like made you like it less <laughs> and I'm gonna go with you know I don't I'm not always trying to put you in the negative here but since you said put it out that way it dropped in your rankings I have a little bit more esteem for this movie than I did before as in I don't hate it actually there's some really cool things about it but yeah there are some things I'm probably gonna agree with the same thing like criticisms you have I'll probably agree with you but there's certain things that I enjoyed that made me like it better. Like, for example, this scene, I was really paying attention to it. Whereas I think when you first watch these movies, that political manipulation and intrigue just kind of washes over you. 
and you don't get all the intricacies of what's going on in terms of Palpatine's machinations. So, Philip, ultimately, I think, and, you know, I've referred to the cartoon series, The Clone Wars. I I talk about it all the time. And again, I know it's a separate medium. I know that it's in the universe and all. But I think that that series actually shows Anakin as a human being. And I think my biggest issue with this movie is Anakin's character. And not just the character itself, but but the way that he's played. You know, I, I don't think, again, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, I don't think that, the, that Hayden Christensen does the same type of job in Revenge of the Sith as he does in Attack of the Clones. I think that he's mechanical and not in the way that's foreshadowing what he becomes as Darth Vader. I think it's just poor acting. I think the dialogue for his character is terrible. I think he has zero chemistry with Padme. Yeah, that, uh, like that's pretty Stuff apparent. like that, it, it's so blatantly obvious, and I really have some issues. And as I was watching this again, for and I, I don't know how many times I've seen it. I've seen it a lot, but like I'm getting more and more focused on those sorts of things. Um, let me give you a specific example. Obi-Wan and and Anakin are supposed to be like brothers by the end of all this, which is what makes their their battle before Darth Vader becomes Darth Vader so impactful. It's it's you know, you don't see the connection between these characters like you're supposed to. It just feels like awkward and uncomfortable whether Obi-Wan's critiquing or or scolding Anakin in front of people which really probably should not be done and or whether it's Anakin back talking right back saying you know well wait why you know like it it's uncomfortable but not in the way that I think that George Lucas was intending it I think he was trying to show a little bit of seeds of friction or whatever but it just came across as like awkward and uncomfortable the the only ways I think they didn't establish enough of how they connect and how they are like brothers like you're saying I think the way they did it was just like you know in that in that um car chase scene early on in the movie that you didn't get to see because the the first time you watched it because the (laughs) power went out right right but they're just like oh I hate when he does this here he goes again but that's all you get you don't get any like you don't get enough of that, like, oh, they're actually really like each other. You just see them as, like, clashing the whole time. And you could also parallel that with the the relationship Anakin has with Padme. Like, he hadn't seen her in 10 years, and, and he's already overprotective. He's sweating. He's creepy. Oh, yeah. Well, this is the thing, too, is, like, watching it this time, I'm like, as you were like, oh, the, the acting's so bad. And then I'm like, wait a minute. In a way he kind of has to be almost like a sociopath and just kind of like kind of madman because he ends up becoming like this uber cybernetic fascist. So there's got to be hints of that. He kind of goes and I get, it might be the performance. It might, it might be the direction. It might be the dialogue in all honesty. It's probably all three of those in some kind of cocktail. It makes me wonder like, why is Padme, why is she falling in love with him in the first place? Because there's scenes like when he admits that he murders all those Tuscan Raiders, she's not that bothered by it. Or you would think she would be more bothered. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you would think she would be more disturbed than she actually is. She's just, like, trying to comfort him. She's like, yeah, it's hard, you know. Because he mentions it when they're, when they're like, um, you know, when they're, they're in hiding in Naboo. And he's talking about Jedi mind tricks. Uh, doing, it only works on the weak-minded. Is he manipulating her? Is he messing with her head? 
so that she falls in love with it. I'm just wondering that. It makes me wonder that. Is that possible? I don't think so, simply because I think that she's too strong-minded. Not that she's not susceptible, but I don't think that they set it up so that he could, you know, this isn't like a love potion type thing. I really, I never got that You don't feeling. think so? I never got that feeling. It just made me think that because I was like, how could you fall in love with him? He's such like a sociopath. And then he's like promoting to a senator, like pro-fascist thing where he's like, well, we should make them. We should have one leader, a good leader, but that just decides everything and controls everything, you know? And she's just like, that's kind of weird and scary. And then he just laughs it off. And then and she thinks he's joking. <laughs> like, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Philip, you, you said it before and you hit the, you use the magic word uneven. It, the, the awkward, uncomfortable relationship that they're showing early in the movie the awkward dialogue, the straight-up sociopathic creep that this guy is portraying, you know, you're making me uncomfortable, blah, 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 whatever. They Before they make it to Naboo, they're in her room as she's getting packed, and, and he's, they're just having a conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, like, rewind to the, the car chase scene, you know, where the I don't know what those creatures were, those little worm things that were trying to, assign, mm-hmm. you know, they come across when Anakin's talking to Obi-Wan, saying like, you know, it was her idea to try to set this user as bait and set the trap. We're missing a lot of interaction between these two characters. And, it, you know, it's clear that it's happening, but all we see are glimpses, and I think it's very poor directing in, in terms just, of the storyline. Yeah. It's too many. It's Once again, it's just like so much. Too many ideas in one movie. And you have you end up instead of I mean it's already at the time it was the longest Star Wars movie I think it's been eclipsed by Rise of Skywalker's a little bit longer than I think it's the longest one now or Last Jedi one of those but you know it's like a two hour twenty some minute movie and there's still too much in there it's if if you wanted everything to look make sense and paced out and these like relationships develop it'd be like a four hour movie. <laughs> Or I think if they would have shown different scenes with the characters that that showed this stuff, you know, it's tough because of that reason. Again, you know, moving away from Anakin Padme, going back to Anakin Obi-Wan, it's it's hard for me to watch Anakin openly criticize, almost angrily criticize Obi-Wan. He's holding me back. It's hard for me to watch that because I don't really get the feeling of, of any sort of connection other than Padwan to, to Master. And it's, it's just, it's hard. And, you know, again, it looks like with each of these movies having a clear or supposed to be having a clear role in progressing the overall narrative, the overall story of this, of the saga, um, it, it's tough to watch these scenes knowing that, knowing what we know that they're going these two are really going to fall in love with each other. <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah, yeah. It, it's supposed to be flirtatious or even sexual undertones it just comes off as creepy and uncomfortable and i don't think it meant to be yeah yeah and i think in that way this movie is kind of ultimately unsuccessful in that way at one point i said it's a lot more fun to talk about these movies and think about these movies than to like actually sit down and watch them i think a lot of like this movie is why in terms of those relationships that if you think of the tragedy in a general sense you can fill in those gaps and think of like, well, yeah, Obi-Wan and Anakin are supposed to be like, even though they're, it's like a master apprentice relationship, 
they're still so close and really close friends. And then that, that the tragedy of that breakup and then this like love story, this impossible love story, kind of like a Shakespearean tragedy there. And then in placing that in this like Star Wars universe, like that's really good. That's really cool. And you just have this like complete breakdown of what was supposed to be, you know, Anakin be the, the chosen one or whatever. The execution is, is part of the problem on, especially in the, in, in this sense of this movie. It is cool how like, you know, th there's just these little soft touches of like Senator Palpatine orchestrating like, oh, well, you know, if someone watched her, she probably needs somebody she really knows well. What about, you know, a Jedi she's really close with? What about Obi-Wan and Anakin? You know, like it, like he's just thinking of it for the first time once again, you know, and this is, this is setting all this stuff in motion, you know? No, it absolutely is, Philip. And, and. Again, that's why I think Palpatine's character. I, I I feel like I don't want to say anything negative about him at all in this movie because like overall, I think that he's the no. star of yeah. of oh, this. Yeah. Um, I did. I do think you know. In I, I will give props where it's due to. You know, there's a couple of things thrown in there, especially early on. Uh, when they're going to Naboo, for example, Anakin admits to Padme he's afraid. He's like, "This is this is my first mission. I, you know, I'm afraid." We know from Yoda, fear leads to anger. There's a lot of fear in this. I, I thought that was a nice touch that they're 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 sprinkling in some stuff like that. Um, where sometimes it works because it's exactly as it was intended. Other times things feel kind of forced or whatever. Um, I, I do think uh, more attention could have been made to what they chose to share of all the stuff they had to leave out, what they chose to share versus what they could have shown and maybe developed maybe kind of a less is more type of thing where they, they develop these thoughts a little bit more. Um, you know, Yoda's calling out the Jedi in this movie for being arrogant. And he's even even the older Jedi and stuff. So, like, you know that he se senses something's amiss. And so, you know, like, let's, let's develop that a little bit more instead of having more unnecessary, unnecessarily awkward scenes with Padme and Anakin. I will say there's some things like rewatching it this time I enjoyed more than I did in the past. And one of them was the like car chase scene, which at first I was like, this thing is so ridiculous. But kind of knowing that these guys are flying through the air and perfectly land on the cars, you know, this time I didn't let it bother me. I'm just like, eh, that's the way it is. I, I enjoyed it a lot more. I know we're kind of jumping back and forth a little bit chronologically, but you know, something with that, that scene you're talking about, did it bother you at all when they went to the, the, was it a club, a bar, whatever they call oh, yeah. it in, in yeah, alien yeah, world yeah, yeah. there, like on yeah. Coruscant, like, did yeah. it, did it bother you at all that nobody seemed to really react when Obi-Wan chopped that assassin's arm off? <laughs> it was you know, a lot like the scene in Moss Eisley, but the thing is, is like in Moss Eisley, that place is, you know, the scum and villainy, right? It's it's a really trashy, nasty place. But this is like the center of the Republic. So it was <laughs> it was ridiculous. And then he's just like, Jedi business, go back to your drinks, you know, stuff like that. I mean, to me, at first I was like, oh, this is awful. But now that awful reading in line, it just kind of makes me laugh. And I don't I don't mind it as much, probably because I already have seen it. And people have already made fun of it enough to the point where it comes back around and you kind of enjoy it because it's so bad. It's good, you know, just right before that, Obi-Wan's sitting at the bar morally 
like projecting his values on some dude, you know, about the death With stick. The death sticks, you you yeah. should not, you need to go home and rethink your life. Do you don't want to sell? He's used like, and then he <sighs> chops off that woman's hand. It's overstepping. And I think that if it was part of the narrative that George Lucas was trying to say that the Jedi are arrogant and they think they know better and this and that, I don't, I think it, he was just trying to be funny. I don't think that he really yeah. was trying to do anything. And then he, that. then they kind of echo when he cuts that dude's hand off and, um, in in the first Star Wars movie, you know, yeah, well, I mean, but, um, every character loses a hand in Star Wars at some point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like the mo. Yeah. yeah, and there's a couple of things that I caught during this car chase scene that I'd never heard before. One of them was uh, Obi Wan mentioning Yoda's swordsmanship. He kind of throws off a line there. I'd never really caught that before. The other thing when I was saying about Anakin being this sociopath is the way he just gets this like sadistic thrill out of the car chase and he's just loving every minute of it and like you know obi-wan's kind of freaking out but there's one thing that i think is really key in that and it's when they're flying through this part and they're flying through those as they call them power couplings and they're like getting electrocuted or whatever as they're flying through it and obi-wan's like i told you not to go through here and he's like freaking out anakin just leans his head back and he's just like laughing it's almost this like sexual pleasure he's getting from just, I mean, it's really, it's sadistic and like masochistic and weird. And you're just like, wait a minute. Is all this like his stiltedness is all this stuff. Is it intentional or is it not? And then I'm like doing these tricks in my head, but I think ultimately, yeah, the acting is bad and the dialogue's not great, but there are little nuggets in there. And I'm like, it makes me wonder. It makes me second guess my my assumptions that I made before when I watched that movie. But it's just little things like that I'm, I'm catching on this watch. Well, that's the thing. It's it, there are nuggets there, and and <laughs> it makes yeah. it's enough to make you think and wonder. It's just I, I fully believe it's the execution or lack thereof. <laughs> and because yeah, you see, yeah. it, it's not just like a one scene thing. You see it throughout this entire movie, which which as as when we discuss episode three, it's almost like the opposite in my opinion you know and so like you will get to that when the time comes but you know you're you're right there are these little nuggets there are these things that's just like wait what and all that but but again they need to i I think that they need to execute better so that there's not this over you know we need to be questioning you know the fact that that Anakin's losing his lightsaber so much when when that's oh, supposed yeah. to be like your your heart. I mean that's your the Kyber crystal connects to you. He, he right, keeps right, losing right. it, at, like <laughs> according to Obi Wan and all that. Like these yeah, are the yeah. sorts of things we want to talk about. Not the how is this you know the focus should be on that stuff. Not mm-hmm. how this is you know George Lucas wrote this and this. It's just distracting, you know. You're right. It does take you out of it. And then it's it's really funny is because George Lucas puts so many like little genres in this movie. So you have this like car chasing because we know, you know, he made American Graffiti. He's a ultimate California baby boomer. He loves cars and loves stuff like that. So all that stuff's in this movie. He had to put that in here. You know, he had to, what took you so long? Anakin's like, I had to find a speeder that I liked, you know, it immediately 30 minutes in. We changed genres. We had like the 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 50s car chase scene. Now we get into like a noir movie. So you have like the mystery film noir that Obi-Wan Kenobi goes through. And thinking about that, like once again, thinking about that, that's really cool to think about. That. Okay, well in a Star Wars movie, we're getting like a like a little mystery, a little mystery uh, subplot here. We're getting into like a, a romantic, not a comedy, but 
like a romance movie. <laughs> oh, it's a comedy. You know? <laughs> it's funny because it's unintentional bad. Con- yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're getting this like this movie has like so many genres. We're gonna get to another one at the end. But there's one thing I hate. It's that diner scene because it's so dumb that there's a diner with like Dexter Jexter as like the dirty cook that knows what that little that little thing is that he found and tells him to go to Camino, right? Well see, Phil, now I'm gonna disagree on this and, and I I like just don't that like scene. the I don't I like the scene, but I don't like the look of it. I don't like the fact that they're in this like diner, this like fifties looking diner once again, it's this baby boomer thing to be obsessed with those that diner culture, which they're kinda cool, but not in a Star Wars movie. I like the conversation they have. It, it's that's one thing, it, but the 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 backdrop kind of takes me out of it. See, like I I wasn't distracted by the backdrop there, and I think again because like <laughs> it just this, reminds me of like Back to the Future, and I'm like, is this Hill Valley <laughs> or or? <laughs> oh yeah, but you know, I mean, I guess I guess I'm more drawn to like the characters and their interactions, especially in Star Wars universe. But you know, I, I thought Dax hit it on the nose. He's like, you know. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. He's making fun of the Jedi for not knowing the difference, which, like, I, I love that because that's, I thought that was one of those nuggets that was really developed and like, yes, you're right. Because, Phil, the next scene after the diner scene is Obi-Wan in the library with the arrogant librarian Jedi saying, oh, if it's not in the archives, then it doesn't exist. Like, that's that arrogance that Dax was talking about. Like, that, I love that. It was really a little unsettling for me when he went to see Yoda and Yoda's teaching the younglings because uh, yeah, yeah. you know the next time that we see these younglings, <laughs> it's going to be a little bit different. <laughs> yes, yes. That was, that was a little bit weird. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So he goes there and they say this order for this like clone army is by Sifo-Dyas, right? Do you know about this, the, this name? I... A little bit, but why don't you take care of it, Patrick, and then I'll fill in the details that I've I've learned over the years about Sifo-Dyas. It was addressed in Clone Wars, the cartoon series, where you know this was a Jedi, was a separate character that that you know was was basically killed um, by like you know some pirates or traitors or something. I can't remember what it was, but you know it involved with some shady business. But you know if you break down the word and if you break down the, the actual name, it looks like Sifo Dyas is a mispronunciation of Sidious, which I I strongly again I haven't really done a whole lot of research on on this particular name, but it feels like that was the plan. If you know by George Lucas maybe in early drafts that like he was gonna have. This big reveal was going to be that it was Sidious that did this, which would make perfect sense. But this case, they just made Sifo Diaz as an individual character as just a throwaway character. That like died and you never see and you never hear anything. Now, Patrick, in early drafts of the movie, it is Sidious. That who's, that's who makes the order, which makes complete sense. And then you're like, well, who's Sidious? Who's Sidious? And then you find out later that it's Darth Sidious and it's Palpatine. It's the same person. This is just a random thing. And, and I'll, I think I have to credit the, the podcast Star Wars Minute for, for where I heard this. But what happened was a like script, an assistant, some production assistant, was rewriting something and made a note or something like that. Something in the script miss, like either wrote it wrong or mistyped Sidious and it looked like Sifo Dyas, right? 
So you're right. And for some reason, George Lucas really liked the sound of that name and then created this like off-screen character based on that, betraying what would logically make the most sense and lead from like a, a nice little like mystery to solve from like connecting the order of this clone army to, to Palpatine. But he sabotaged that himself just on a whim in the production of this movie. <laughs> Oh if, my! It, it, I can only see Patrick now, and he—he he seems exasperated. It, well, the first thing that pops in my head is the South Park episode where where they're the boys are trying to save films from their own directors. You know, trying <laughs> yeah. to trying to get the originals in their possession well, yeah. so that they don't. Well, well, this is the thing, and and like I said, I think I said in the in the Phantom Menace episode, he needed just somebody that could tell him no on something. And it would have made this so much better. Just this little thing, it would have made so much more sense. Yeah, and then after that, you finally get a look at Count Dooku, who we kind of hear about. It's He's in the crawl, but you really don't see him. And, you know, it's Christopher Lee, legendary actor Christopher Lee. I kind of wish there was more of Count Dooku in this movie. I like him in this. And well, so, uh, so Philip, you know, dealing with Dooku and stuff, you know, I, I have a few questions. And again, we know Star Wars logic is inherently loose. You know, um, if you go back thousands of years or whatever, there were lots of Jedi. There were lots of Sith. All this. You talk about the rule of two. So we know Darth Plagueis the Wise is potentially in play here because, you know, we're, we're not 100% certain in canon what you see in the movies you know, you, it's inferred mm-hmm. that he is Sidious's master, you know, the master apprentice. But we, we've we already seen Darth Maul. Now we've got Dooku, or or Darth Tyrannus, Tyrannus, yeah. which is Tyrannus, right? Yeah. I'm always, I just Dooku. One of those. Um, if you want to expand, <laughs> if you want to expand the universe a little bit, you got Asajj Ventress. That's a, a kind of a, a cult character in in expanded universe that people, you know, like, but it's also in play here as Dooku's apprentice, um, which like rule of two seems very, very loose here, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. It's just curious to me, the timeline of this, if the, the Sith are going to be rigid with their rules, mm, common sense tells you it's a little bit off. Yeah, because then you'd have to get in some weird timeline where, like, immediately after Darth Maul got killed, Palpatine's, like, then grooming uh, Dooku to kind of be his second. But then, like you were saying, when when is Plagueis around? Because, like, as I mentioned before, I read a, one of the only Star Wars, like, books I've read was the Darth Plagueis one, which is actually pretty good. I, I like it. But in that one... Plagueis is around that whole time, and I think he is killed by Palpatine right before like the opera scene in the third episode. Timeline wise, that would make a lot of sense. I may be I may be getting that wrong, and whoever knows will most likely correct me. But um, and please do StokesCountyBoys at gmail dot com. But yeah, it, you're right. It is a little like hmm, wait. I thought there was only two, and then immediately Count Dooku's in there. You know. And you know, and again, maybe and this he's is, been he's apparently been missing for a while too, right? So yeah, I mean, why did why did the Jedi not, or, you know, why did they not reach out and and or hey, where's our guy or whatever, you know? Um, 
But, you know, again, too, it's been brought up only the Sith deal in absolutes, you know, when the reality, as you see in throughout the nine movies, is that there's there's gray, you know, (laughs) there is gray. And it's it's interesting when we're looking at the characters themselves because you know uh, let's let's fast forward after the Obi-Wan and and Django and we'll we'll talk about the the Mandalorian present there but like you know when when Obi-Wan's captured and he's talking to Dooku of course he's like you're a Sith you're back Dooku is is telling him stuff that's actually true you know that the dark side actually does control the senate you know he's he's 100 right but the jedi arrogance even of obi-wan somebody as wise as obi-wan because you're a sith i'm not going to listen to you yeah, you know you're lying <laughs> yeah that's true one of the scenes i really like is that obi-wan jango fett fight like in the rain when he's like trying to trying to catch he's trying to get a ha- handle of this guy figure out what's going on and and Django's like trying to make a run for it but I really like that fight it's really good well, and you know he he's a man trying to make a living he's a bounty hunter he's he's you know as we learn in the Mandalorian series he's a foundling you know he's mm-hmm. like there's uh there's there's a lot to this character I like Philip I've got a question for you and this is kind of just in general how did his son Boba Fett develop such a cult following you know what I've heard? You know what I've heard is that it was, I think a lot of it has to do with the toy because it was a special toy. I think you had to collect like five or six proofs of purchase and you could get the special like Boba Fett toy. And it was just a really cool looking toy. And so it was like this minor figure in terms of character, minor character that developed like a real had a real mystique about it because you didn't know anything about him or anything like that he just looked cool but between like empire strikes back and return of the jedi the kids you know they're a little bit older than us like the the gen x star wars fans were playing with this toy and creating their own little like mythologies and stories about this and so anything i've heard that explains the the cult of boba fett to be honest, like I found out much later after seeing the the original movies several times that Boba Fett was a thing, you know, it, it was just like, oh, that guy, <laughs> you know, and I guess, I mean, you're right. He does. I mean, he does look really cool when he's like standing next to, to Darth Vader and Empire Strikes Back, but that's all he does and kind of walks next to the the carbonite when, um, <laughs> you know, he takes it off, <laughs> he takes off, uh, Han and, but yeah, I, I think that has, that's, that's part of it. But yeah, it's kind of funny. You get this little, you get Boba, little Boba Fett, you know, <laughs> in this movie who, who's kind of awkward and stilted too, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then, you know, this part where they go back to Tatooine and I, th- I think this is a good part of the movie. This is this is a cool part of the movie. I mean, there's some weird stuff in here too, and there's like some fan service. One thing I noticed is like how rough Watto's looking. He's not he's not doing so well. Oh yeah, he he's definitely <laughs> aged. He's definitely aged. Yes. Now, <laughs> there's one little thing that I thought was kind of funny is that C-3PO, you know, when he sees Anakin, he's like, "Ah, oh, the Maker," and he gets like excited. <laughs> And then you're like, oh, so in those first Star Wars movies, when he's like thinking the maker, he's 
praising Darth Vader. That's great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it is great. But it makes sense. It's like who's who's a you know an android's a droid's a god. It's the one that made him. Right? Yes. The other thing I said that I thought was kind of funny is you know Padme's supposed to be like kind of in hiding as a refugee when they're going to Naboo, and I was like, she's dressed too nice to be a refugee. <laughs> She is, and and but Phillip, the, she's got some really the costuming of her is is impeccable. It's awesome. It is, but gosh, she wears a different outfit in every scene, and and like Phil, there's there again. This is where I'm getting like very picky with this m- movie particularly. If it was used to show a progression of time, if it was used to show a progression of time or something like that, I would get it. But it really feels like they're just showing off the costume designer. Which, it, rightfully so to an extent, because they are great costumes, but it, it almost feels like unnecessary and unnatural. I do have a major issue with one of the costumes, which we will get on uh, later in there. Uh, first, though, Philip, can we talk about this, uh, like, just slaughtering of the sand people? Yoda feels this across the galaxy, and I feel like of all the Jedi Council, you know, Yoda's supposed to be the big the big one, the top dog, whatever, um, top Muppet, top puppet, whatever. He, he's supposed to be number one. He feels empathy towards Anakin, I believe. I truly do believe that because he is offering to help. It's shown throughout the series that, that you know, he works with the younglings. He's worked with probably every Jedi that's passed through that temple. And I think that he gen- is a genuine character. I think that, you know, it, he just embodies the good and the light side of the Force and everything it's supposed to be. He feels Anakin's pain and suffering, but but two things here. One, we find out later on that Anakin, you know, told Palpatine about the slaughtering of, you know, these Tusken Raiders. And again, I know we don't see every interaction and all that stuff, but like Yoda felt this. Why did Yoda not reach out and say, hey man, you need to talk? You know, did why did Obi-Wan, or did they? You know, I want to know who else knew about yeah, the slaughter. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's a good question. But this scene I really like, and this is one thing I noticed score-wise, the score didn't stick out to me as much as it did in Phantom Menace. But the one thing I noticed, that's the only part when he's on that speeder going from Lars, their home, to the encampment by the Tusken Raiders. That's the only time you hear Duel of the Fates in this movie. Earlier today, I was thinking about this song, the title of the song, and we were saying, you know, Duel of the Fates, you know, it's this, like, which way does does Anakin go? That's really what it's saying. It's kind of interesting because the word fate, you don't usually hear it in the plural. Usually it's a singular thing. It's going to happen no matter what. But I really like the title of this because it really does speak to the options. Like, at the whole time, Darth Vader could have never become Darth Vader and become Anakin Skywalker. It just flipped to that side. But this is the only time you hear that hear that theme. And it's this really kind of key scene and he just m- murders all these. And it's kind of cool when he like you see that rage, he flashes that saber and just cuts him down. It's just kind of wild. The problem I have is when he comes back and you know he's broken because his mom's dead. And this is kind of like the turning point. And you just see, at this point, it seems that there may not be any coming back from this. But Padme's okay with it in the end. She's just like, after he admits to it and tells her about this, he's just she's just kind of like, 
it's human to be angry and then comforts him. And it's just so weird. And again, like, I think that's just poor writing. <laughs> I, I, honestly, cause you're right. I, it's if, and I've never fallen in love with a sociopath. I've never, so, so I don't know <laughs> yeah. what's We're going on in her yeah. head or whatever. Right. I, I yeah, would, it, I would like to think that, you know, she's probably going to be willing to overlook certain things. But something that big is going to be, number one, hard to overlook. But, Philip, we also, with the relationship that they have developed thus far over the course of the hour that this movie has taken place or whatever up to this point, they've not shown that positive connection where somebody would be willing to overlook that. You know, there's, there's, go back to Naboo and Anakin's, you know, confronting Padme, like, my feelings are tortured and I'm, I'm... I'm an emo, I'm an emo kid and I love you, but you don't love me back. Like she kind of has been leading them on a little bit, like rolling in the fields, like after their picnic. And then, you know, the kiss that she, like, I'm haunted by the kiss that never should have happened. Whatever. Like there's a lot of stuff that's just weird. And then all of a sudden we're supposed to expect, boom, Hey, I just murdered a bunch of people because they killed my mom. Not saying right, not saying wrong, no judgment, just saying this is what happened. And she says, Oh yeah, just, we all have feelings and all that. Philip, adding, adding beyond this too, this same kind of era where where he's really crossed a line that you can't uncross. Um, and I want to go back to something that I'd, I'd mentioned earlier with Yoda feeling the pain and suffer. I think I have a character that I dislike more than Jar Jar, Philip, and that's Mace Windu. I, I'm, I'm going to pace myself with my hatred of Mace because after this viewing, I'm done with the man. If he's so powerful too, did he not feel this? He already doesn't trust Anakin. He already treats him like crap as seen throughout this movie and without, you know, and, and not just by like his, his actions, but his words that are in front of other people. I mean, Anakin really, this, this guy needs help. And he's not getting it from the people that he's supposed to be getting it from. You see glimpses of Obi-Wan, but clearly Palpatine has separated them in his genius plan for a reason. This, this is clear what he's done. But you still get these feelings of like, okay, let's ignore everything that we talked about earlier. And let's just say they are brothers. You know, Anakin and Obi-Wan are tight and all that. So, like, he keeps, he's like a father to me. He's like a father to me. But then he keeps shit-talking him. And so, like, you know, which is it, Anakin? Like, okay, we get it. You're a tortured soul. Like, but, but like, get some sort of control and, and, and like, project your feelings or thoughts or whatever in a, a little bit better way because right now it just looks like you're all over the place, not because your head is everywhere, but because you just don't know what you're doing and you don't know what you're saying. It's, he's just rambling. Yeah. I can't, I don't know what to tell you. It's <laughs> so something I did like though a lot about this scene uh, when they were all on on Tatooine is when Obi Wan sends them a message and it was R two that delivered a message from an Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was really kind of cool because like instead of like two Obi Wan Kenobi this time it's uh, uh, uh from Obi Wan Kenobi. I thought that way. I mean that made me chuckle, but I needed something to chuckle about at that point. Speaking of chuckling, this one thing, this uh, after all this, the some that made me laugh, like legitimately, not because it's bad, was the just supreme, just the ultimate, the ultimate, like just screw up of Jar Jar Banks of not only 
addressing the Senate as Dello Feligates. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'd never caught before, but it made me laugh. It's but the he, idea he's so great. proud of himself. He's so proud of himself. And he's just like, we need to give, like, basically more power to the chancellor and just make him supreme chancellor. He's the one, of course, Jar Jar, just always tripping over his own two feet. He does the deed just from a slight little push from uh, Palpatine. And he gives him so much power. And everybody's like, yay, yay, we did it, you know. And... And oh, that that speech that Palpatine gives where he's like, I love democracy. I love the Republic. I'll hand this over when all this is over, this whole separatist thing. And we just take care of it. It's it's so good because, you know, he's just he's just full of it. Everything's going as he planned. You know, I want to talk about the Jedi Council for a minute because, you know, they're like they're they're already They've got the message that was relayed from Anakin and Padme for that, you know, Obi-Wan's clearly in trouble. This hologram is showing him he's clearly in trouble. They're taking their sweet time to send people to help him. Now, I do know, I understand that, like, the Jedi Council needed to be at this emergency meeting or whatever. I completely understand that. But, like, couldn't they have gone ahead and sent at least a couple of Jedi to go ahead? Like, <laughs> right. like, did they really have to wait? Because Send Kit Fisto. He's not doing anything else. You know, not yet. And so, like, <laughs> they, it's not that they're too far away to help, like Padme says. You know, oh, they're too far away, so we have to go help. It's not that they're too far away, Philip. It's that they're slow and they don't have their priorities right. Yeah, you're you're totally right. Because they, they were saying, we don't want to get involved in politics. That's what Mace Windu says. But it's exactly what they do. They they spend way too much time meddling in the the Senate and the in the Republic politics. And had they not at this exact moment, which you know, if if they could have stopped Dooku there, maybe there's no war at all. Maybe Sidious slash Palpatine's plan falls apart right there. Who knows? But I think Philip, what makes me angry about the arrogance of the Jedi Council and and their misplaced priorities and all this stuff, you know, like all things considered, the battalion did arrive pretty quickly, (laughs) you know, all together. And then Yoda making it from Coruscant, because he was at that hearing, making it from Coruscant to Kamino and then back to Genosis with a whole battalion of clones. Like, like, well, the timing is the just physics. like Star Wars, on, man. Star Wars physics is is no good. Now, why do you assume that he? Um, maybe he just went to Geonosis. The droid army came to Geonosis, and then he got on that ship. That's a lot more possible. It's not because he said that he's going to go to Camino and check out these. Clones. Oh my God, he did. Yeah. So like. Oh no. <laughs> so Philip, like, while that stuff's happening. Your 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 boy okay. and girl All running right. around a yeah. droid factory in a straight up level of a video game that nobody <laughs> yeah. wants to play. <laughs> it, that's exactly what it is. Oh God, that's exactly what it is, Patrick. That yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on that scene because I think it looks bad and I don't like it. But that's the weird thing is like right after this thing, you're just like, oh, this tedious droid army scene. We one. I'm just going to mention, because we were talking about it earlier with the genres, we get the genre shift into a gladiator movie. 
which we saw a little bit of like uh, George Lucas's affinity for gladiator movies in the pod racer scene. Cause it's basically like, you know, the chariot race and, uh, Ben Hur. But I, I love this end of the movie. I think this is great. I mean, there's such like cool things at the, the last like 25 minutes of this movie. I even like the bugs. I don't mind them having to battle those bugs. That's pretty cool. Right. It, it is Philip. And I think obviously, well, I say obviously, but like at least you and I, <laughs> at least, you know, to, to the two of us, this is the best part of the movie. Like Philip, again, I, I hate to keep harping on, you know, the characters, character relationship and, and all that stuff. But like, you know, right before Anakin and Padme are wheeled out, she says, I, I, I want to quote her. She says, I truly, deeply love you. Before we die, I want you to know. <laughs> Philip, um, oh, yes, she's right. Yes, she does. I know this. I, yeah, they, they're in love at this point. This is a huge moment. How did we get to that point? Well, you can't answer that by watching this movie, and that bothers me. Like, and I can't yeah. get over oh, yeah. that. No, no, no. Yeah, it it's a failing of this movie. You're you're completely right. And like like I said, Philip, like yeah, I know they're leaving a lot of stuff out, and because they have to, they're we're not seeing every interaction or whatever. But like that was a subplot that's going to set up the third movie for the fall of Anakin, the death of Padme. And Darth Vader, the ultimate bad guy in cinematic history to be born. This scene, though, this this end of this movie, phenomenal. It was really well done. Um, there's some things that I thought that, like, were good symbolism. That, you know, like, when they're on Tatooine, there's a scene, Philip, I don't know if you remember, but, like, Anakin's standing there and it just shows a picture of his shadow. And it looks like Darth Vader. Like, clearly that's supposed to be the case and all that. But it's really, you know, I see that. I'm just like, yeah, it's symbolic. But I mean, like, yeah, okay. All right, Georgie boy, I I see what you're trying to do. But it's just not hitting me right now. Here, I thought it was really well done that they tied Anakin up between Obi-Wan and Padme on the pillars. Mm, I like that. I mean, it's obvious why. But, like, I really did appreciate that they did that. Critique of that moment, though, when Obi-Wan and Anakin are kind of mouthing off at each other a little bit, and, and you know, Padme's doing her thing escaping. Did she just happen to carry around a skeleton key just in case she gets handcuffed or tied? Like, you see how, it. You see her grab she... it ahead of time. It's like the hairpin thing, you know. Was, like, like, like is it, was it a hairpin? I, she she does it. You see her pull it out. I think she did pull it out of her hair. I'd have to go back and watch it, but she does pull it out from somewhere, pulls it out of her mouth. She has it as she's walking to get chained up. If it was a hairpin, like an actual like hairpin thing, that would <laughs> make a lot was, more sense yeah. to me. But like I I didn't catch that. If she did like it. Just is like how'd she end up with a key? Because I mean I saw her pull it out and go, but like wait what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the, you know, the big thing, the great climax of this is when all the Jedi show up, you know, and it's just this awesome, it's just this awesome moment when you just see like right at the end, you know, always, as always, it looks like our our good friends are about to meet their fate and they're just like igniting their lightsabers and then it's, it's uh, all action from there. A couple of things, I'm going to bounce around for just a second, Philip, so, okay. so. I, you know, I previously mentioned a, an issue I have with wardrobe. Ph- physics question, because we get to this scene. Physics question here. Padme gets scratched in the back by that tiger-looking thing. 
and it turned her shirt into a halter top. Now I'm I'm sure I can no <laughs> I'm sure I know exactly why warfare. that happened, but physically, like oh, yeah. like a shirt shouldn't rip like that. So I'm like, oh my god, are you kidding me right now? A question of a question I have about like this whole scene. <laughs> why were like before the Jedi show up and Anakin and Padme and Obi Wan are are doing the best that they can with what's dealt with them. Why are they not using the force itself more than they're... Of course they don't have their lightsaber. Why are they not force pushing more? Why are they not like... That's you know, true. You yeah, see, I didn't even think of that. But yeah, you're right. They, you see they Anakin calm down, you know, the animal that they end up like hopping on their back. The back. But, but like, I feel like they should be... Okay, you don't have a lightsaber? Well, crack a knuckles and let's see what I can do with just the force. I feel like that should have been happening... No, but Phil, yeah, when, when the Jedi showed up, though, uh, it was kind of a humbling experience for me to watch because you know Order 66 is going to happen. But the Jedi that show up, again, whether it's through watching Clone Wars, whether it's through nerding out, reading books, or, or like, you know, looking at the expanded universe, whatever, these are actual characters that have stories. They, these characters are real entities and they're not just throwaway. I, I think that that has, you know, Kit Fisto is an actual character. And I think seeing him, knowing Order 66 is going to happen, knowing what happens in the next movie when they go to arrest the Chancellor and all that, like, it has more of an impact being able to put names and faces to the Jedi that show up. I guess I guess we'll get to the final kind of big, big battle between, like, the lightsaber duel of like Dooku and um and and Anakin and Obi Wan. Philip, quick, let me let me put one more thing in there before we get to that point, and it deals with Jango losing, like when Mace decapitated him, like like oh yeah, yeah. Jango he took the L against Mace pretty quickly. <laughs> you know, now Philip, I, I want to throw this in there because like I think it was intended to make Mace look really strong and all that. Um, especially because the you know you saw Django and his battle, which was very even with Obi Wan. I felt like I don't think it made Mace look strong as much as it made Django look weak, which I was really disappointed in. And then if you think about, I mean, this is kind of like pro wrestling logic. And then you go back to the fight between Obi Wan and Django, and you're like, wow, he gave up a much better fight against Obi Wan. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't really think about it, but. It's just kind of brutal. You just see that. Deca- Usually it's just like the arms that get cut off. <laughs> he just decapitates him. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know what? Though? I mean, and again, I'm, I'm being very picky. A great battle scene. Yeah. Great, yeah, yeah. great battle scene. But yeah, I guess it's important to show that like so Boba Fett wit- witnesses that. And then I guess it kind of leads him on his path to kind of loosely ally himself with uh, with Darth Vader later on, I guess. But I, I get it. I get it. I do, I do like the the final kind of like lightsaber duel between um with Count Dooku and Obi-Wan and and Anakin. Of course, Christopher Lee delivering those lines of like, "Oh, your powers, you know, your your ways in the Force are good. You've gotten much better, but look at me, you know, and he's shooting the lightning." And so <laughs> it's pretty awesome. And he notes that, you know, he was Yoda's Oh no, that's when he's fighting Yoda is when he mentions that he was trained by Yoda. So you just get this like legacy of uh, of apprentices, whether it's like 
Anakin or Dooku or uh, Kylo Ren that betray their masters, you know? Of course you do. <laughs> um, and, you know, like you It keeps happening. They're not really good. <laughs> They're not really good teachers, Patrick. Well, see, but then therein lies the question. So, like, as they're getting to that, as they're getting to that scene where they're, you know, flying in the ships, the clones have arrived, you know, Yoda saves the day, whatever, and they're they're flying to, you know, stop Dooku from leaving the planet and all that stuff, Anakin pitches a fit when Padme falls off the yeah, ship and Obi-Wan right, 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 scream right. at him, like do your job because it's what, and it, ultimately it's not because it's the right thing. He's like, what would Padme do? Like, mm-hmm. like Yoda yeah. feels this. They keep cutting to Yoda. Like Philip, this is like the third time this movie that Yoda clearly is sensing, you know, he knows something. Why do they not stage an intervention for this kid? You know, like, I don't understand why, but like they get, and another thing picky wise that I have an issue with like when they get to the fight Obi-Wan against Dooku always goes out like a punk really quick like you know I I don't I don't understand it it's just the logic doesn't make sense to me like it, he he just he held his own against Jango yes Jango's not a Jedi but like I don't get how he keeps going out because you're gonna see it again in the Revenge of the Sith early mm-hmm. on yeah he just yeah, keeps yeah. getting knocked out um, it's a I, it's a matchup issue, you know. Some people just don't match up well. Obi Wan and and Dooku, it's you know, it's like it just it, it's a clash of styles, and Dooku comes out on top. I guess, but you know, Phil, the, <laughs> the 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 way that Anakin blocked the the like Dooku's death strike to Obi Wan, yeah, yeah, the yeah, same yeah. way he blocked Luke's to the Emperor. Oh like, wow! I, I didn't thought catch that. Was, that. Uh, I okay. thought that was really it's a nice cool. Little and echo. Then, yeah. Um, and also, like he when he cut the power, like mm. when mm-hmm. he was going one on one, we cut the power. Like I thought that was like a nice kind of fan service homage to to what we see in the original trilogy. But yeah, once once they're defeated and, and little Yoda comes in, yeah, <laughs> um, Philip, that like again, I'm watching this movie and I've already harped so much on character, 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 dialogue, acting, all that, but like this scene where we actually get to see Yoda pop out his little lightsaber and then jump <laughs> around like a madman. It made up for so many things. It was such a great scene. I wish it would have been longer. Like, you know, Dooku takes the easy way out and runs, which I have no problem with because that would that makes sense for, you know, what we come to see the Sith doing on a regular basis or Sith affiliated, you know, because General Grievous is going to be doing the same thing. You know, uh, Sidious is going to do the same thing when he first fights Yoda. Like, like I get that. I just wish that scene would have gone on longer. And I know it's a long movie and all that, but like, spend more time on that and less time <laughs> on Naboo with some bad acting and terrible chemistry. I hate sand. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. I remember when we saw it in the theater. Everybody was like cheering. They were like hooting and hollering and clapping once he he got going. Oh, and as so, they should, as they yeah. should. That and was... it was just <laughs> great way to end the movie. But they don't end the movie there, Patrick. What we've all been waiting for the last the last thing we see is the wedding, the secret wedding between Anakin and Padme, and that's how we close up episode two. So everybody out there, please rate, review, and subscribe. Don't miss our next episode. 
I mean, this one's a sequence. You can't, you can't stop here. We've got more to go. Uh, you can find us online at SC Boys Pod on Twitter, at Stokes County Boys Instagram. Email us at stokescountyboys at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about the movie. Let us know what you think. Spotify playlists, all the music that you hear, you can find on the playlist. If you have the means and the desire, please, we uh, appreciate any direct support. You can find that at anchor.fm slash scboys slash support for as little as 99 cents a month. You can keep this show going. Do it yourself. We're independent. We're doing our thing. We don't have corporate buyouts that Patrick's looking for. And I'll hang my head and accept, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We don't have that yet, so, you know, be the, be the first on the train, the Stokes County Boys train. I uh, just want to also shout out, as always, cover art by the gorgeous George. Check out his stuff. Always linked in the show notes. You can always find all that stuff. Patrick, we got one more to go. Let's do it, man. Looking forward to it. So are we all. We're all clones. All I want to know.